0: Okay, uh, so I got him to sing Rihanna and, and uh, Kanye, which is fantastic. Uh, now I get to preach following that, which is, which is great. So we're going to jump into that in a second first. Just want to put a little bow on where we were over the last month. I know Joe wrapped up our series called Fieldstone Family Values last week. Always appreciate him jumping in. Don't tell him I said this, but he always does a really good job, so I appreciate him doing that. Wouldn't want him to think that I'm encouraging him in any way. But um, uh, if you missed any of those weeks, please go back and listen, either on the website or on, on uh, iTunes, wherever you need to find that. Um, it's, uh, like I I've said, I've said a couple times through that series, nobody's walking out of here with goosebumps when we talk about being family-focused or being simple and balanced. Or Joe preached last week on how we want to be super friendly when you walk in. right? In, in some ways, those are things that we that we have been as a church, in some ways, those are things that we want to be as a church. And we want your help, right? We want you to help us embody some of those values. Uh, And so it's just one of those things we got to come back to every once in a while. we got to come back to the family tree mission, got to come back to our values, got to come back to get small and get away from time to time. And so uh, I hope that you guys uh, were able to kind of internalize some of those things. But today, we start something new. Uh, I got to start with a survey. I need some help, uh, some hands raised uh, if you can help me out, if, if any of these questions kind of trigger something in you, if you could raise a hand for me. Have you ever laid awake at night imagining or worrying about or rehearsing a difficult conversation you have to have soon? Okay. All right, some of you guys are with me. Have you ever been so frustrated or so concerned about a situation that you're dealing with with a friend or a coworker or a family member? Been so concerned about that that it's made you feel physically ill. Yep, yep, my hands up for both of those. Have you ever rearranged your schedule? Have you ever rearranged your normal routine in order to avoid a tense ongoing situation, or maybe cut off contact with a person because you just couldn't deal with them anymore? Rearranging your life, absolutely. Now raise your hand again if the exact person or situation came to mind as I was talking about. All right. Raise your hand if you're feeling those feelings right now. Yes. Raise your hand if they're sitting next to you right now. No, 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 don't do, it, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. But that's why we started with that song, right? Fun song, secular song, about four or five seconds from just losing it, right? You, you guys have been there, right? You've you felt that feeling. you felt that tension because of a person, because of a situation. Uh, it's tension. It's conflict, right? Sometimes it's that you really enjoy being with. You're doing great, and then all of a sudden something clicks, and and there's tension, right? Like, where did this come from? Why is this happening? And, 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 And beyond why is it happening, how are we supposed to deal with this, right? Should I avoid stirring the pot? Should I hold in my feelings for the sake of peace? Should I fight back? Should I stand up for myself? Should I stand up for the others around me? Should I Be a Karen right now. Should should I post passive-aggressive comments on, on Facebook hoping that they'll know that this is about them, right? Now, this gets even more complicated because what if in the midst of that situation or that person, what if you share a small office? What if you got assigned to the locker right next to theirs? What if you ended up in the same small group? Get small, he says. Join an adult small group, he says, right? And now... Here they are, and we've got some tension. What if they live in the same house? What if they sleep in the same bed, and that dang old mattress keeps dragging you both to the middle, even though you want to sleep on the edges and face the other way? You're like, oh, we just keep ending up in the same spot, right? It's difficult. We've all been there. I wish I hadn't said that. I can't believe He said that. They're not doing their share of the work, and they're taking credit for the work that I'm doing. She never stops talking. He's so misogynistic. Did you see what he said about Trump the other day? Did you see the meme she shared the other day? Why does he always do this? How come she never does that? How does someone so incompetent get to that position? How dare they talk to me that way? How dare they talk about my children that way? Tension. And there's going to be some questions that we ask throughout this series, questions that need to be answered, questions that I believe have a good answer. Things like, how am I supposed to handle this tension in a healthy way? How can I forgive if they haven't even apologized yet? How can I forgive again if they haven't even said they're sorry again? How can I not sin in my anger if I'm having a hard time not killing in my anger? How do I survive one more minute in this house tension so frustrating right and the toughest part is knowing that at some point someone has to break the ice eventually right who's gonna say something who's gonna make eye contact again who's gonna send a text who's gonna slide a pinky toe across the bed as an olive branch of peace it's gotta happen unfortunately tension as you guys know it's it's inevitable because people hurt people And then those situations are worsened by the fact that our first instinct is to usually handle it any way but the right way. And believe it or not, there is a right way to deal with tension. There is a Jesus way to deal with tension. And so we're going to look at that over the next four weeks, and and we're going to start today with a process that gets laid out in Matthew chapter 18, and that's going to kind of become the foundation that we build on throughout the rest of the series. So go there with me. There's like uh, guitar picks all over the place. I suppose if they keep singing those cool songs for me, they can leave their stuff all over the place. So Matthew chapter 18, um, and this is one of those things where growing up, um, I knew the reference long before I knew what the verse said because church people are always like, got a Matthew 18, this one, got a Matthew 18, It right? So if you hear church people going, "What, what do I do? You got a Matthew 18, this one. This is what they're talking about. So Matthew chapter 18, Starting in verse 15, we're going to get like six words in, and I'm going to pause for a second. So Matthew 18, 15. If your brother or sister sins, or if your brother or sister sins Against you. Now, some clarification before we go too far. So when when Jesus is saying brother or sister, he's referring specifically to a fellow believer. And so this is something happening within the church. And so he's saying, if your brother or sister sins, if your brother or sister sins against you, there is tension between you. There's conflict between you and them. And so he's specifically addressing things within the body of Christ. But it's certainly applicable as we get into this passage today. This stuff applies anywhere, right? And we, as the body of Christ, we're supposed to be an example to the world of how these things are supposed to play out. And so Jesus is giving us this process for the church, for his body of believers, and yet this is to be an example for how the world should handle tension and conflict in all of their relationships. So that's where it is. Now, the question is, why, why, why even address this topic, right? Why, why address the issue of conflict and tension? Well, um, that's important. So we gotta, we got to hit this first. So flip over or scroll over whatever you're using to Matthew 22, uh, verses 36 to 40. And, and again, this is just one of those passages. We hit it a few weeks ago as a part of our values thing. It's going to come up again. Um, but Matthew uh, 22, 36, the teachers of the law are saying, Teacher, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, Love the the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So he's saying, this is the biggest one, right? He's putting these up on a pedestal. Love God, love people. Everything else hangs on these two. And so it creates a sense of urgency, not just about our relationship with God, but our relationship with people. And over and over throughout the Gospels, Jesus takes the command to love people and puts it up on a pedestal with maybe just a notch below the command to love God. And here's how urgent these people relationships are when it comes to our God relationships. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. And this is a passage we're going to come back to in a few weeks when we're talking about anger. Um, but Jesus says here in five twenty three, he says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, there's some tension there's some conflict in one or more of your relationships if that's the case leave your gift there in front of the altar first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift now in in their context right we, we don't come and offer sacrifices at the altar in church it's not part of uh, you know the 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 body of that's not just how things work in new testament world but but for them what does that gift represent what does that sacrifice represent for those in that faith who would be coming to bring a gift or a sacrifice to the altar what it represents in in large part is the pursuit of deeper intimacy an intimate moment with their god with their king with their savior this is Cain and Abel bringing their first fruits way back in Genesis. This is, this is Jacob's children coming to him at his deathbed, looking for a blessing for them and for their children. This is, this is the Old Testament priests offering sacrifices <clears throat> Excuse me, on behalf of the people. This is Esther coming before the king, looking to be welcomed into his throne room for a difficult conversation. This is the people saying, Acknowledge me, receive me, approve of me, hear me. It's, it's people saying, God, grant me some piece of yourself in this moment. They're saying, I love you. Or they're saying, I'm sorry. They're saying, stay intimate with me. They're saying, restore the intimacy we once had before the mistake or the sin that I've encountered. They're saying, bless me, keep me, make your face shine upon me. And, and what Jesus is saying here is to bring that gift, to bring that sacrifice or that offering to the altar to pursue intimacy with God, to pursue a blessing from God while at the same time doing the exact opposite in our relationships with people? Oh boy, it's not how it's supposed to be. He's saying that your relationship with people is inseparable from your relationship with God. And that's why This idea of tension, this idea of conflict, and handling it in a healthy way. That's why it's such a big deal. That's why we have to deal with it God's way. That's why we have to deal with it in a healthy way. So, with with that laid, let's go back to Matthew 18 and pick up there with this issue between you and a brother or sister, you and another person. There is tension in a human relationship. So, if your brother or sister sins, if they sin against you, go and point you have won them over. So the first thing that Jesus tells us to do, if there is tension in our relationship, if there is conflict between us and someone else, the first thing is to go and talk to them one-on-one. That's just the worst, isn't it? It's the worst. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. We already admitted we lose sleep over it. We feel physically ill over those conversations. Why? Because we can't control where the conversation goes once we start it, right? In some cases, we can't control what happens to the relationship once we initiate that conversation. But this is an all-important first step because of what the goal should be and what our heart should be in these situations. The goal is peace. The goal is a healthy resolution. It's a chance for both of you to hear and understand each other's perspective, hear and understand each other's feelings. um, And and ultimately, it's a chance for God to be glorified through the situation. And if this is an issue uh, simply between you and them, this is maybe a chance, maybe they had no clue that they had hurt you or that they had offended you or that they had caused some friction. Or maybe they weren't even aware that there was some tension at all. So it's a chance to communicate some of those things. Hey, here's what I felt. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what happened when you said that or did that or when this situation took place. This is what was happening. So it's a chance for them to be aware of what's going on. And if, if it happens to be a legit sin issue, if, it's, if this is more than a human-to-human issue, if this is a human-to-God tension, Again, it's a chance for them to be made aware. Maybe people are doing things that are outside of what God has designed for us and simply don't know. It's a chance for them to then get right with God without a public shaming. And so Jesus says the first thing I want you to do, if you experience tension, if there is conflict between you and someone in your life, the first thing I want you to do is talk to them one on one. Now, this is tough. This is awkward. So a couple helpful hints um, when it comes to having this conversation. um, Because sometimes you just, how do I start it? What do I do? Where where am I going? And this obviously isn't an exhaustive list, but some things that have been helpful for me when it comes to having some of these one-on-one conversations. First thing is this. um, If the person you need to talk to is better at talking than you, we all know those people, right? They're going to win every conversation. That's me, all right? Ask my wife. I can win the conversation, switch sides, and then win the conversation from the other side. There are just people in the world like that, right? So so if the person that you need to talk to is better at talking than you, your goal is to be heard, not to win. Your goal is to be heard, not to win. Because with some people, you simply cannot win. But you can speak the truth, okay? If you're approaching someone... Your goal is not to win the conversation. Your goal is simply to be heard. Second thing I'd say when it comes to these one-on-one conversations, um, I would say, and this is my opinion, um, if this is a sin, need-for-accountability type of situation, um, if this is your first intimate conversation with this person, in my opinion, you are not the right person for the job. Some of this goes a little bit back to what Joe was talking about last week. Like, nobody knows, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, that type of a deal. Like, if this is the first time you've approached them in an intimate way to develop a relationship, to say something deeper than just, hey, how's it going? Hey, how was your week? That kind of a thing. If this is the first intimate interaction, I don't believe that you're the person for the job. Because what you're saying is, I care about you so much, I never bothered to initiate anything with you before. But this is a really big deal. So now we got to get tight, right? So, so if this is the first intimate interaction, I don't think you're the right person for the job. Another thing I'd say is if this is uh, a relational issue, so not necessarily kind of a thing, this is just relational tension, um, recognize the possibility that you might be wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. You're probably Right? But it's a mindset. It's a heart set. Recognize the possibility that maybe you misunderstood. Maybe you misheard. Maybe you're mistaken. Maybe you are uneducated on the situation or the topic. Maybe you're not as loving as you think you are, right? Leave room in your heart and mind for the possibility that maybe you were wrong. Even if you're right, I think that that mindset helps when it comes to the conversation and comes to moving forward. And the last thing I'd say about this one is this, and this has been huge for me. I can't tell you how many times God has moved in answer of this prayer. Um, Ask God to start the conversation before you arrive. Ask God to start the conversation before you arrive. Like Ask Him to soften their heart, um, to change their mind on something. I can't tell you how many times I've gone in just scared of the conversation, losing sleep over the conversation, worried about where the relationship is going to go because of this conversation. And you get there and they're, they're like, it's like they knew what you were going to say and they've already been thinking about it and processing it. Um, and so it just I think God really moves on our behalf when it comes to those things. So when it comes to one-on-one, ask God to start that conversation and you can just join them when you get there, that kind of a thing. Now, here's the question. What if you are the offender? Heaven forbid, you're the one who caused the problem, right? You said that thing. You did that thing. Um, How to respond when you've hurt someone. And again, this is not an exhaustive list. But I would say if you know you're in the wrong, even partly, go to them. Don't make them chase you down. You know how scary that is. You know how awkward that is. You know what must be going through their heart and mind. If you recognize, oh my gosh, go to them. Go and initiate that conversation. If they came to you, or even if you've gone to them and a conversation is ensuing, I would say, listen, listen. If you're given an opportunity to explain yourself or clarify the situation or, or, or add more qualification to something that you've said, feel free to do that, but receive what they're saying with grace, right? And if, and if you need some time, like I said, not everybody's great at talking in the moment. You're not always gonna think of everything right then and there. Maybe you've been surprised by something that you said or something that hurt someone that you weren't even aware of. Um, it's okay to say, hey, can I, can I have some time to think about this, to pray about this? I'd love to just kind of process what you're saying and then get back together. I think all of that is totally fine. All right? and, and what I would say is if, if you do need that time, schedule the next conversation before you part ways. Schedule the next coffee, schedule the next get-together. That way, the issue isn't just hanging out in the cloud somewhere wondering, how, is this ever going to get resolved? We're avoiding each other, that kind of a thing. So if you need time, ask for time. I think that's totally cool. But schedule the next conversation. Um, And in the midst of this, remember, you do not live in a vacuum. You don't get to assume that no one is ever impacted by your words and actions. And so if you're wrong, even partly wrong, apologize. Acknowledge what you did. Acknowledge what you said. Acknowledge the hurt that it caused. um, Talk about what you're going to change for the future. And if this requires a long journey, Talk about some of the initial steps that you're going to take to bring about change for the future and ask for forgiveness. All right? And then clarify together what that relationship looks like going forward. Is it going to be the same? Does it need to evolve? Does it need to change? They have to say. And then apologize and clarify the relationship going forward. That's that one on one conversation. And so then Jesus continues on in Matthew 18, beyond that initial step. So go point out their fault just between the two of you. If if they listen, you've won them over. And then in verse 16, he says, but if they will not listen, which happens sometimes, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So after saying, talk to them one-on-one, Jesus says, if that doesn't resolve the tension, ask for help. Ask for help. Now, this could be, hey, we're talking, but we're having ongoing, just kind of a long-term struggle to make this work. It could be, hey, I've I've talked to them and there's zero effort to listen or to acknowledge the issue or to respond to what I'm trying to bring up. It could be, hey, they're in a bad place or, hey, this relationship is in jeopardy. We're we're struggling through this. Ask for help. Now, who do you involve? Who, who, Who gets brought in on this? It could be any number of people, but I would say this. It could be one other person, maybe just... Conversation with a mediator, right? Someone who's definitely neutral, someone who's qualified to handle that type of tension and conflict. Uh, But whoever it is, ideally, it's at least one person that you trust and at least one person that they trust. Now, that one person could be the same person if there's mutual trust and respect and and you trust that person to be neutral. But if there's going to be a difficult conversation and others are being brought in on it, I would say at least one person that they trust and at least one person that you trust. that everybody feels like they're being represented and heard and and they're not being attacked in some way. Um, And and the goal of bringing in help, receive some outside wisdom, receive some outside perspective. Right, They're helping with resolution. They're helping with positive next steps that can be taken between the two of you. Um, and And it's to make it clear to you or to them or to anyone involved that this isn't just something that one person is seeing. It's a legit issue. It's a legit struggle. It's a legit sin, and it needs to be worked out, or it could be the flip side of that. Maybe those neutral parties come in, and they maybe kind of see it from the perspective of, hey, as we're hearing it, as we're hearing from both sides, maybe this wasn't as big of an issue as it felt like to you in the moment. Let's cool off for a bit. Let's let this breathe, and let's come back together and, and resolve this based on what we're seeing and hearing. And, the, and so best case scenario, the tension gets resolved one-on-one. But the next best case is you got some help, you got some support, you got a little a bit of extra weight to lean on in the process. Um, and some, uh, another one or two or three people can jump in and help you just kind of navigate this from a neutral perspective and, and take some next steps forward in the relationship. So that's the second thing. So one-on-one, if you need to, ask for help. And then Jesus goes another step further In verse 17, and he says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So the third thing that Jesus says is lean on your community for support. Lean on the church for support. Now, at this point, what you're saying is, hey, church leadership. Hey, small group that we're all in hey, family, that we're all a part of. This is the situation that we're facing. These are the steps that we've taken so far. These are the biblical truths that we're trying to live out. And and this individual, this group of individuals, are actively opposing those efforts to bring about a healthy biblical resolution. As my spiritual family, as my community, do I have your support in this? If yes, then there's a choice to be made, right? Because... There are situations where there's just zero resolution. No one is cooperating. There's no listening. There's no effort to apologize or make it right or even recognize that there's been some hurt or that there's some tension that might be their fault. And so he mentions a pagan or a tax collector. So in their society, in their culture, this was simply someone who was despised and rejected by the Jewish community. And the reason was a person has chosen to reject everything that their family and their faith hold dear. And so their family and their faith are forced to separate themselves from that person. And so if someone is clearly, consistently, unapologetically causing hurt within the church or within your community, that individual no longer gets to enjoy what the church is supposed to be. They don't get to experience the intimate fellowship. They don't get to experience the corporate worship. They don't get to wrestle with God's word together corporately with the body. They don't get to benefit from the community's generosity, right? And so this is a consequence that can feel extreme. There's different levels and applications based on the situation and who's involved and how it impacts who and and all these different things. But it's a reality that Jesus lays out. Why? Because not only is our relationship with other people bound to our relationship with God, Our relationship with other people is bound to our relationship with the church. It's all interwoven. But the goal is the same. The goal is still love. The goal is still restoration. The goal is still health, if at all possible. Now, Jesus, again, he's talking specifically about the body of Christ, his his church. But if this is, you you find yourself in tense moments, in conflict outside of a church setting, right? So like I said, it all still applies. So, So who is the shared authority? What is the shared community between you and the person where there's tension, where there's conflict? Is it a family? Are mom and dad the authority that need to be brought in on the conversation? Is it a boss? Is it a group of friends? Is it a coach? Is it a team that you're all a part of? Is it a school counselor that needs to be brought in on the conversation? The key is... In this spot where you've tried the one-on-one conversation and you're not making any progress, you've tried bringing in a couple neutral perspective people to just kind of shed light on the situation and offer their opinion of what's going on, what you're doing now is simply you're relying on the support and the weight of the community that you're both a part of. Let your community offer support. Now, some important notes when it comes to this whole process. I want to say this. Do your best and trust God with the outcome. Do your best and trust God with the outcome. Romans 12. Um, I think I only put uh, 18 on the screen. I'm going to read the few verses before it as well. Um, Romans 12, 14. Paul says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now, I included those verses, even though they're not on the screen, because we are coming up on another election season. And in my opinion, people, Christians, did not handle the last election season very well. And so if you're struggling to know how to handle 2024, Romans 12, hit it, memorize it, lean on it, live it, right? we got to do a better job. Verse 18 is what I really want to get to. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You are responsible for you. Ownership of your wrongs is not dependent on their ownership of their wrongs. Doing the right thing is not dependent on how they respond to it. You are responsible for you. So do your best to follow the healthy steps that Jesus lays out for us in the midst of tension, in the midst of conflict. Try to follow his word. Try to walk in his footsteps. Try to bring about a healthy, loving resolution to the situation. But you are only responsible for you. I know that doesn't make it easier if they respond poorly. I know that doesn't make you feel better. It may not put you to sleep at night. But that's all you're responsible for. You are responsible for you. Another thing I'd say, and again, this, this one will come up a little bit next week when we talk about forgiveness. But sometimes it's okay. Okay. Sometimes it's the best thing to let the relationship move backwards, even if there's a healthy resolution. Right? Maybe you're no longer best friends. Maybe you're no longer dating. Maybe you have to break off contact for a while. Right? And this is part of that one-on-one conversation. This is part of the conversation with people that might be helping you navigate it. Right? Like what, what does this look like going forward? Now that we've talked now that we've shared our feelings, now that we've expressed ourselves or clarified a few things, what does this look like going forward? Do we proceed as we've always been? Are we as tight of friends as we were? Are we going to hang out every weekend like we have? Are are we still a thing? Or does the relationship need to take a step back a little bit? Right? You, You might need to move on from the relationship. You might need to move on from the environment. You might need to move on from the situation where that conflict is occurring, even if there is a healthy resolution um, there might be some decisions to be made. Now, this can be, this gets extra complicated if you're talking about a marriage, if you're talking about a parent-child relationship. Now, especially if, if your physical or emotional safety are at stake, there are steps that can be taken, right? Because when I say move on from the you can't just disown a parent or a child, right? There are steps that can be taken to maintain healthy boundaries and honestly, 99.9% of the time, I'm gonna tell you to fight for your marriage if that's where the tension is, if that's where the conflict is. But if it's not safe for you, it doesn't always mean you have to live in the same house while you figure things out, right? So there are steps that can be taken if, if the relationship needs to be redefined temporarily or long-term. Um, and then the last thing I would say is this. Um, there is no formula. Only Jesus, This is a difficult process. Dealing with tension is always difficult. And one approach, one word, one mediator, one place that works with one situation, those aren't necessarily going to work with every other situation. And that's why I love the way that Jesus finishes uh, this section in Matthew 18. Very important reminder. It's kind of a goofy few verses, but I want to close with these. Matthew 18, 18, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Didn't know that verse was in the conflict section, did you? Some goofy, goofy verses. But I love the way Pastor Tony Evans says this in talking about this passage. He says when we act in accordance with scripture to promote God's glory and the good of an erring friend heaven backs us up. If two or three gather and agree and pray about a matter based on the application of God's word the son of God will show up and validate it. Guys we have the promise of Jesus. And like I said he said There will be trouble. There are going to be difficult situations. Sometimes it's out in the world, pressures that we face. Sometimes it's relationships within our family. Sometimes it's at church, right? Sometimes it's at work. Sometimes it's at school. We are going to deal with tension. We are going to deal with conflict. But we have the promise of Jesus there in the midst of the struggle with us. He knows what's best, He wants what's best, and He'll guide us towards what's best if we'll do it his way. Next week, we'll hit forgiveness. Let me pray for you, and we'll get out of here this morning. God, we, we just thank you for um, just these super practical uh, portions of Scripture. God, because this is something that we deal with um, so often as human beings interacting with human beings. And there's situations we come across where we experience tension with you, God, because your Holy Spirit is convicting us of something, some area where we've strayed from your word or strayed from your design and and your best for us, where we have sin in our lives. And so, God, thanks for this passage of Scripture where Jesus just simply lays out, here's how I want you to do it. God, I pray that you'd help us to do our best in those moments where it's scary, give us courage. In those moments where we just can't find the words, I pray you'd give us the things that we want to communicate. And most of all, God, join us in those conversations. Beat us to it. Work on our hearts, work on the hearts of the people that we love, um, and help us to continue to grow healthy marriages, healthy families, healthy workplaces, healthy schools. Um, And God, help us to be a representation of your way to the world around us. God, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon.